0: best practice for me has been being able to help people transition not only the challenges of the pandemic but across the chasm of change of transformational change that a lot of organizations are doing actually start to take on the mindsets to enact the mindsets and behaviors of the new world
1: Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Look, Janet Senec is a consultant and a coach, and she helps other coaches like me also leaders and organizations to innovate, adapt, and grow through disruption. She's an innovation coach. And in our conversation for this episode of the Job Hunting Podcast, we will discuss how job seekers can use innovation concepts to be more comfortable with the discomfort of your job search. Jenna's expertise is in helping her clients understand what it means to be innovative and adaptive to change. Because you may aim for innovation all you want, but you won't get it if you don't start acting differently, structuring your business differently, and being agile to adopt and adapt to change as opportunities and threats come along. This is also applicable to career advancement, career planning, and job hunting because you may want it, you may want to advance in your career, you may want another job, but to achieve your goal, you will need to adopt and adapt to changes as professional opportunities and threats come along. Can you see the similarities here? This is why I thought of bringing Janet along for a chat on the podcast. I think listening to her will be very interesting for those who are ambitious for their careers. And Janet works with businesses that are ambitious. They are at the cusp of innovation. So it's great to hear about what she has identified as important trends in the workplace so that you can incorporate them in your career plans and your professional development. What is it that you will learn by listening to this episode? One of the biggest challenges for employees and employers post-pandemic is how to reconnect. So we were gonna talk about that. We will talk about the best practices that Janet has observed in the workplaces around the world where she's coaching. I ask her, what is it to connect through values? What is it to lead at a heart level? I read about these things all the time. You probably do as well. If you're following the conversation about leadership and employers trying to reconnect with their employees, that discourse, that narrative is being used. I wanted Janet to tell her side of the story. How can professionals break the inertia of, you know, the daily hustle in order to achieve their bigger career goals? So I ask her that. Why is it important to be uncomfortable and be comfortable in being uncomfortable? You know, this is so important as your job search. And Janet is all about that as an innovation coach. I also discuss with her the key sources of discomfort. And then, of course, you will learn how professionals like you can safely step into job search in 2022, being comfortable with the discomfort. This conversation happened live on my LinkedIn, Facebook page, and YouTube channel a few weeks ago. We have then edited this conversation and made it into a podcast episode. So if you hear some weird noises in the background, or maybe us interacting with people that are watching, you know why. Sometimes we edit things out, sometimes we leave it in just for context. If you are one of our new 340 plus new subscribers this month we welcome you to our newsletter we welcome you to our community of job hunters and career enthusiasts the subscription to our newsletter is growing like crazy. So thank you so much for joining us. It's fantastic to have you on board. Of course, with the new subscribers of the newsletter, there are more and more listeners to this podcast. I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg that comes first, but you know, you are so welcome here. I hope that you are enjoying all the resources and tools that I have sent you. And if you haven't got them, go to my website and you can download them, like the optimized job set schedule and make the most of what's available to you on my website. And of course, the huge library we have here now of over 140 episodes of this podcast. Please give this podcast a five-star ranking and write us a review. It will help us so, so much as it has, as you can see, from all the new subscribers and listeners. If you are not receiving your newsletter and you want to, of course, you can subscribe. There will be a link to it in the episode show notes, or you can go to my website, renatabernardi.com, dot ecom Before we head to the interview, remember that the links mentioned are in the episode show notes. So if there's anything that we mention, you can find it there. Hopefully, I will add all of them. I always try my best. So apologies if I forget one or another. If you're a subscriber, you can always reply back to the newsletter and let me know and I'll send it to you. Janet's company is called Imagination. I love that name. Imagination Compass Learning. And I will add in the show notes a link to her LinkedIn profile so that you can go and check it out and connect with her if you need innovation, coaching, or some help with your team, department, business, and so on. Let me introduce you to my friend, Janet Senek. She's a consultant and a coach, and she helps other coaches like me, also leaders and organizations, adapt and grow through disruption. Her expertise is in helping society understand what it means to be innovative, to be adaptive to change. And luckily enough for the Job Hunting podcast, Which I'm a host of. So if you're new to this through LinkedIn, you may not know this. Janet was the first person that I interviewed back in 2020. On the cusp of our lives changing before the pandemic, just before the pandemic, Janet and I sat down for a chat about VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And Little did we know how important that episode was going to be, so much so that when it went live was when things were just starting to get out of control for everyone, and we recorded then a bonus episode. So there's 22 and then 22B, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking sideways to making... Sorry, it's 23 and 23B. Those were the baby episodes of this podcast. We're now on number 143, but still one of my favorite episodes because of what it meant. What you know, Because I love talking to Janet, you have such a, a lovely way of explaining complex issues to everyone, but also what it meant to the podcast and to the listeners to have you on board at a time when we really needed to understand VUCA and who better to talk to than you, Janet. So thank you so much. Now, I'll let you speak soon, Janet, but let me just say that your company is called Imagination, which is a great name. So after listening to this conversation, if anyone here wants to work with Janet, learn more about her company, please go to her LinkedIn profile and learn more about what she does. And she has been consulting and coaching leaders during this pandemic, not just in Australia, but worldwide. So I thought selfishly I'm very interested to know what you've been doing and I thought maybe my listeners could also learn from your intelligence the information that you bring from those workplaces things that you have identified important trends that we can all incorporate into our career plans and professional developments in the future now tell us you know I don't want us to go too deep into your career story because in episode 23 we spent quite a lot of time talking about your wonderful career and all the amazing things you've done. And I want people to go back and listen to that episode. But since we last spoke here publicly on the podcast since March 2020, what have you been up to? Where have you been? And
0: tell us all the gossip. Oh, gosh, such a big question. Well, the first thing that I noticed that I needed to do as COVID hit was to generate some kind of cash flow that would give me some sense of certainty. Mm. So being an innovator, I joined two of the coaching platforms, one which is Berlin-based and the other which is USA-based, and went through their training and started to be a resource for global companies As they were democratizing coaching. So, on the one hand, the rates were considerably lower than what I'd been earning through my own business. On the other hand, I didn't have to do business development. Mm. And I had the most awesome, great clients who really weren't dealing with the uncertainty and the instability. And I could learn to adapt and coach differently. I call it speed coaching in 30 and 45 minute sessions. And I'm really pleased to say that I've just finished two lots of six month long programs and all the clients that I've been working with are really flourishing. Mm-hmm. So that was a way of being, and also benefiting from all of the changes in the coaching industry globally as it democratises and coaching becomes available and accessible not just to senior leaders but to managers, you know, especially middle managers and people leaders across global, you know, and local organisations. So that was one thing that I, I've been focusing on and I really enjoy it. It's <laughs> almost why I was late. I was just helping A manager in India better balance his work time and his home time, family time. So a a lot of people are really out of balance and they're being really reactive. So
1: Yes, yes. We will talk a lot about that. But I love what you said about democratizing coaching because even in a small little business like mine that's all I'm trying to do all the time I've just launched last week my cheapest ever service it's only $97 Australian so that's close to 70 US and the goal is really to give as much value as I can for as little investments as possible to allow professionals to step into this new idea for many that you you know, having this support and having this coaching can really propel your career. And you're right, there's a better up, you know, there's lots of organizations that are flourishing in democratizing coaching and counseling. And, you know, even small business like mine are also trying to do that as much as possible. Very interesting. Do you have clients all over the world? So India, where else do you have you coached since 2020?
0: Uh, Oh gosh, Korea, India, USA, certainly all around Australia, Singapore, Mm. Hong Kong,
1: (laughs) New Zealand,
0: you know, pretty, pretty much. Isn't it Um,
1: interesting, Janet, how well you can coach people from all around the world? You know, some people have asked me, how can you coach somebody from US or UK or Singapore? And I'm like, why not? It's just (laughs) coaching is coaching. How would you answer that question? I get it all the time.
0: Well, it's really about being able to understand and flow with cultural differences, dance in the moment, be really curious, be a really good listener, ask really good questions, be very empathic, compassionate. Yeah. And, you know, attuned to what it is that they need. So I don't have a problem coaching anyone from anywhere. It's quite interesting. Yes. It's very rewarding for us, isn't it?
1: Very. Yes. Yes. One of the questions that I wanted to ask you right off the bat is because of the work that you do and you work with people that have jobs and like your client you've just mentioned before need to manage life and work and the lines have blurred even more since the pandemic they are already difficult to manage before then and we discussed before this idea of the need to reconnect with people you know how businesses want to reconnect with their workers the workers being now so remotely you know spaced out? Were employees trying to bring workers back into the office space? What have you seen in your consulting and coaching in terms of best practices and examples that you can share when things go well and, and strategies that are working?
0: Okay, it's a really big question again. One of the other things that I've done in the last 12 months is developed what we call bespoke learning programs for a global farmer so it's not just people at the effect of the pandemic it's also people at the effect of the digital transformations that they're going through Mm -hmm. so the impact we we need to think more systemically is that the pandemic has really shocked a lot of people Mm-hmm. So it has tended to amplify feelings of isolation, disconnection and overwhelm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So one of the first things, and we, we learned this also about innovation, is one of the first things is to attune to people's painful emotions and actually help them accept And acknowledge them. So it is, you know, even with the program that we did with the Global Pharma, it was built on very much on connection because they're all facing the challenge of a digital transformation. Yeah. They knew what they needed to do, they knew what they needed to say, they knew how they were expected to lead and role model. The change, but they weren't doing it. So, the whole notion of safety, psychological safety, is just a toe in the water, but really deep, safe environment where people can be honest and share how it is they're feeling. So, best practice for me has been being able to help people transition across. Not only the challenges of the, of the pandemic, but across the chasm of change, of transformational change that a lot of organisations are doing, mm-hmm. to actually start to take on the mindsets to enact the mindsets and behaviours of the new world. So, therefore, there's accepting how the painful emotions that people are feeling, giving them some kind of benchmark of where they're at. So we use the growth leadership indicator and then giving them a mix of learning principles that are future-oriented, supported by one-on-one coaching Mm -hmm. so that they can deal with whatever is going on for them and we dance in the moment with that, but also by using a quantitative assessment you can actually help people focus on the areas and the skills that they need to develop to be effective in the 21st century context. So, you know, we've known for the 10 years we've been working in innovation is, you know, what you were doing 10 years ago isn't what's needed today or in 10 years' time. You know, it's a whole different way of being, thinking and acting. So we we did a dual process of working with their pain, if you want to call it that, their shock and their pain, and to help rehabilitate them so they could be effective in this new world that is emerging. So what they had to do, especially the two groups, and one was an innovation team and the other group was responsible for innovation projects, was to enable and empower them to actually deliver the breakthrough projects by creating that safe collective holding space. And even though one group was a team that the other group was just a group through reconnecting them, you know, at a values level, at a heart level, that helped them make sense of what they needed to do and to mobilize and take action. So I think they were just amazing learning experiences done virtually online, hugely impactful and very successful. So. They will now use this time to innovate, which we all should be doing.
1: Yes, yes. The language that you use, Janet, I've known you for a few years, so I know that that's language that you probably have always used. But that discourse of connecting with values, empathy, leading with the heart, connecting with the heart, all of a sudden, everybody's talking about this as well, and it has just boomed, you know, during this pandemic. But now when we look back and we try to assess and make sense of how to move forward in the corporate world, how to bring people together, do you see that as well, that the discourse is changing? And I wonder if the conversations that we're seeing in writing about values are also being translated in the workplace.
0: I think certainly in one-on-one coaching, there are a lot more people transitioning out of roles and looking for more meaningful and purposeful ways of life and not just necessarily new jobs. So there's a lot more emphasis on aligning with values. But if I can just share a story, I'm I'm sure you won't mind because I just finished this six-month program today. From a coaching perspective, when you're confronted with a client who's a perfectionist, a mismatcher, which means he sorts by difference, and very extroverted and very dominant, very willful, it's like, oh, you know, like this is going to be a real roller coaster ride. Yes. It wasn't until I actually partnered with him to connect with his heart and he realized that he, had been emotionally neglectful, mm-hmm. it's a new term, he invented it, that he'd been spending his whole career in service of others and not doing anything for himself. So I think, yes, you're right, Is there's a lot more attention on values but there's also a lot more attention on self-care as yes. self-compassion Mm -hmm. and self-kindness and he even said to me today was that it wasn't till he really could feel what he was feeling in his heart that he could move on from a lot of disappointments in his life and start to connect with his emotions you know feeling is healing who would have believed it
1: Mm -hmm. That
0: really is true, that he could actually move forward.
1: Yes, that's so interesting. When we spoke and decided to do this live stream, I wrote down new language in the corporate world, reconnection. And the way that I was thinking about it was businesses trying to reconnect with their people, trying to bring them back together again, convincing them to Interact more. And now that I'm talking to you and listening to you, I'm thinking businesses may really want to do that, but individuals want to reconnect with their core. Exactly. With with themselves, with their ambitions, with their, you know, and we stopped the rat race, kind of, not entirely, but it's almost like we provided this big tipping point. And it made people stop and think and people are, you know, making different decisions than they would have taken, you know, in 2019. Ambition has changed as a definition for many people. I don't don't think they're less ambitious. I just think that the ambition has changed. Would you agree? It has. Yes, Mm -hmm.
0: I would definitely agree with that. So here's the thing. So we don't want to forget about connecting with customers. Because mm-hmm. the other thing, it's not only people in organisations who've changed, it's customers who've really changed as well. So we need to be able to do both simultaneously. It's paradoxical, connect with customers and connect with our people. Yes. But we've always maintained, especially in innovation, because we we teach and coach innovation from emergence, mm-hmm. is that first you have to connect with self then be able to connect with other, and then with the group or the team, and with the community and with the customer. You know, or we call it connecting with the system or the social field. So connection is the key word for you know, a key for everything. Help connect with other people so they can be heard. Connect with people so they can feel appreciated.
1: Yes. Janet on the other hand as well as you know most of the listeners here are keen to advancing their careers and that often comes in the way of changing jobs and there is a lot more of that happening is there is there's a lot more of people feeling discontent where they are and making emotional decisions i think especially end of 2020 2021 their jobs and quitting or taking breaks many of those are back in the job market again because you know you might do a transition during such a difficult time and land in a place where it's not really what you wanted. So there's the second wave of job search happening with people that have changed jobs during 2020 2021 which is really interesting and that's happening worldwide. it's not just Australia, it's not just us. So a lot of other professionals I speak to feel very much FOMO, the fear of missing out. And they're juggling the FOMO of, you know, should I be doing this? You know, apparently it's a hot market for candidates. I could be out there looking for work, but I don't feel safe doing it. I love talking to you about this idea of safety, jumping into unknown, into a VUCA environment into an environment that is ambiguous. I feel like people have a fear that's way bigger than it should be, you know, paper tigers type of fear.
0: Yeah, Do you agree? Oh, look, one of the programs that we did for the Global Pharma was actually called Face Everything and Rise. It was contracted specifically to deal with fear of failure, risk adversity and imposter syndrome you know, so they're the key things that paralyze people from taking intelligent action. So yeah, there's a lot of that. So what I've noticed, especially with coaching clients, is that some people are feeling paralyzed because they want to do something meaningful, but they don't know what that is. And it's almost like they're stuck in their seats. Others want to do more Meaningful work that is more aligned to their values. And others just want to do remote work whereby they can have a better quality of life. So, where we usually start with, and I've been doing a lot of this lately, so it's really interesting because I'm not typically a career coach, is coaching people through actually something you and I could probably do in an hour, but getting people to hit their pause button to retreat and reflect on what kind of future they want to have so I'm being really specific now so I I give them a template and I say well you know what kind of work do you want to do what kind of relationship do you want to have how much money do you want to make where do you want to be located what kind of family life do you want to have what do you want for your kids so to help them It's like COVID's forced us in a lot of ways to go back to basics. Mm -hmm. It's like create a compelling picture of your desired future state. Don't worry yet about what you're going to do. Just start to deeply reflect in stillness and in silence and do it with your partner or, you know, with your family. What do you want to have? And That helps people pay deep attention to what's important to them and is meaningful and purposeful. And it also helps them focus that attention and be intentional in creating a vivid picture. It's not a vision. Creating just a vision picture of what they want to have. And interestingly, most people have said, oh, I've never done that. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, you know, do it in pictures. Do it in words. Do it as a mind map. I started doing this probably 20 years ago. (laughs) But that's the first step. Yes. So I work with them to articulate and clarify that in whatever way works for them. It's very non-prescriptive. And then the next phase is to say, well, who do I need to be? to have that so yeah. then it's what are the emotional states what are the mind states it's usually i'm learning from a new course i'm doing with dr dan siegel how much discipline you know needs to be in with the creativity mm-hmm. that was a really big learning from what is
1: a great way of putting it you know i love mm-hmm. that Let me update you on and everybody else listening on episodes that are coming up before yours, you know, because yesterday I recorded episode 144 and I kid you not, it's called, I don't know if I have it here, it's called The Six Questions You Should Ask Yourself Before Job Searching. Exactly. And it's really aligned with what you've just said. I like what the color and movement that you provided with the idea of pictures. I didn't think of that, Janet. So, you know, after listening to 144, people should definitely listen to this episode, which will be 147. And the other episode that we recorded here live on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, and it's coming up soon, is about grit. So this idea of the perseverance and the passion. Because I always tell people when they're starting to job search or, you know, when they reach out to me after job searching for a long time and not getting any results is motivation alone won't get you there. No, you have to to treat this as a job and have the discipline and just do it every day, even if it's a couple of hours a day. But really, this is your job now, you know, if what you want is a new job.
0: Ooh. So interestingly from a coaching perspective once people have created that vivid picture in whatever modality works for them we would then start to set some goals so it's like a pre-work assignment before setting the goals and where grit comes in because we use that in with our global farmer program it's the determination Mm -hmm. and the perseverance to achieve the goal so when you talk about grit, it needs, these are old-fashioned words in a way, you need to be bold, you need to be brave, you need to be courageous, and you need to be really willing to knock out any roadblocks. So that was a very important part of the program that we did for the Global Farmer, is yeah, how yeah, and Grit is a really nice... There's actually an Angela Duckworth Grit test assessment that you can I do know, online. I online. Yes, yeah. I'll
1: picture there's a link to it in the episode show notes. There's a link to it on the episode I did with James Brooke as well. So James Brooke is the founder and CEO of Talent Predicts, which is a talent assessment tool that I'm using for my, my new service. And he's doing a PhD on grit amongst everything. Yeah. So that's really why I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. And all these ideas that you're providing and the questions and the way that you explain it is so fantastic. And, and what I think it helps people with is feeling more comfortable with the uncomfortable, which is another yes. phrase that I'm paraphrasing from you because you talk about that a lot, feeling comfortable with the uncomfortable. And there is so much lack of comfort in job hunting. I don't even know where to begin. If you're listening and you're job hunting, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that sometimes can be exacerbated. I mean, people will always think that whatever situation they're in is the worst possible case scenario. But, you know, there will be people that have been without jobs for a big chunk of this pandemic. There will be people that have moved countries during this pandemic, so they lost their networks. There will be people that have gone out on mat leave, you know, maternity leave and are finding it really hard to come back. Also, if you are of a certain age, you may find that it's you know, it's harder for you to be shortlisted. So there are all of these extra levels of lack of comfort, Janet. And, and I know how passionate you are about those, especially ageism, right? And gender bias. And gender <laughs> balance. <laughs> gender bias. Yes. Yeah. Bias. Sorry. That's the word. Oh, wow. It makes it much harder. I like to give my clients a really big understanding of how decision making is made and you know how we can't change the world I can just help them progress through the qualification process for recruitment and selection in the best possible way using the tools that we know they're going to use to help my clients so Mm -hmm. we sort of swap things around and address the elephant in the room straight up but what are the sources of discomfort that you have found through your work with clients?
0: Okay. I'm just going to quote, I just was speaking to um, someone in India who was really uncomfortable with the imbalance between working across time zones and family time, um, which a lot of us are facing on a daily basis. What he said at the end of the session, again, blindingly obvious, is, well, the only thing I can control is how I think and feel about a situation. So he he did realise that he could prioritise and be productive by taking responsibility for setting boundaries and managing how he does his meetings. So that's just one example. But the word that I use, and I think I developed this when I was living in the Middle East, is we use the word, another one for your increasing vocabulary, is discomfort, resilience. which is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And as Otto Sharma says, it's a decade of disruption and transformation. So where do you want to play? In the program that we did, the Face Everything and Rise program, that was a really big part of it. How do you be comfortable with being uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. you know resilience is your ability to bounce back from adversity but how do you dance with discomfort so Mm -hmm. the first level is something a lot of us used to say at the front of the room in workshops oh the learning zone is outside of the comfort zone so that now is on steroids Mm -hmm. you know so we now say well you know, let go of being perfectionistic. A mistake or a failure is an opportunity for learning fast, but also the growth zone is outside of the learning zone Mm-hmm. So we are given an incredible opportunity, especially in this decade, to grow, you know, to be more through being more adaptive, more flexible, at the same time, more disciplined, more mm-hmm. methodical, more creative, more courageous. You know, it's a real opportunity. And, you know, you asked me what else I did through COVID. we totally redesigned our curriculum um, mm-hmm. redesigned our coach for innovators program. We used that time to reset, you know reset, refocus. And it's hard sometimes to deal with a lot of the challenges that we're all facing. But here's the thing, we can't learn and we can't grow unless we use them as, you know, 101 learning experiences. You have to, in innovation especially, you have to do things to learn what not to do. And therefore, failure becomes feedback and it's the breakfast of champions. But that is such a mindset shift. Because yes. we tend to beat ourselves up when we make mistakes and we fail. So it is a really big shift in how you think. And it doesn't feel nice. You know, it's a visceral, it's in mm. the gut, it's a visceral experience. And yet we can all break through, you know, it's possible.
1: Is there an element of, I don't know if these are the right words, so apologies if I, I'm being too blazy about this, but is there an element of not taking yourself too seriously so that you can fit into this uncomfortable zone when you go through a job search and you're older or you don't know anyone or it's a completely different scenario or even if it isn't you know job searching even within your sector for a job that you know how to do is already hard enough but not thinking about that as a threat you know the mechanisms for you to practice and train your brain to address as a conversation not an interview as an opportunity not a threat yeah not taking it too seriously you know what's the worst thing that can happen if you don't exactly. what you don't have so really sort of trying to calm your mind and and practice to be mindfully there in the moment sometimes it's more important for you to feel comfortable in the moment than to know all the answers to all the questions and Practice incessantly for days and only to be exhausted by the time you're in front of people.
0: There's a yes and to that. So like when we wrote relocated from the Middle East to Melbourne seven years ago, I had lost all my networks here in Australia. Mm-hmm. So therefore I had to be creative and adaptive and I just made the decision to work online. So therefore I had to unlearn what it was like to do a live consulting project or a live training or facilitation I had to unlearn what worked in the past and this is really pivotal yes then I had to learn new ways of doing things and relearn how to have impact you know meaningful impact on my clients so therefore you know I had to become really technology savvy and even today you know when I was having trouble here we go this is not taking yourself too seriously when I was having trouble connecting my camera to my laptop because I took it away last week my husband (laughs) comes in and he says you didn't have it plugged in (laughs) (laughs) so therefore I could have a giggle you know that even as As savvy as we might be, you know, we can still mess up and not beat ourselves up, you know, because there's so much to learn. There's so much information and knowledge is power now.
1: Yes, we have somebody listening on YouTube, Janet, and they're saying, interesting show. Renata, how to face fear of failure when we are going through so much uncertainty in our careers? I think that that's an, a good question and I can completely understand the, the feeling. How how would
0: you address it, Janet? Okay, that's a, another great question. So one mm-hmm. of the things I did a couple of years ago was I hit my pause button and I sat down in retreat and reflection in stillness and science and reframed what success meant to me mm-hmm. And I realised then it was not about making money because had it been I would have joined one of the big consulting companies years ago. Mm-hmm. So I had a clear picture in my mind of what success means to me. Mm-hmm. In with fear of failure, I could only go from what we how we've helped coaching clients is to actually normalise failure, because. Most of us are so conditioned to see failure in the school context, like you do an exam and you fail and therefore there's punishment or there's retribution or in the corporate context you make a mistake or you fail and you fall fall on your sword mm-hmm. and there's retribution. It's just to, you know, see that a mistake or an imperfection is completely normal so what we do with our clients is we have group conversations where we actually share stories of how we've failed in the past so that people don't feel alone and that it's just about them and and it can end up being quite funny and then you said a really a really important question that you can ask yourself to remove the distortions that you have around failure which is what's the worst thing that could happen, Mm. you know, if I fail. So as a startup entrepreneur, holy, holy moly, I have had Mm. some monumental failures, but Mm. they were also amazing opportunities to pivot what I was trying to do at the time. Yes. And and with human-centered design thinking, you have to fail to learn what not to do. So the last thing I just want to say is what's coming out now is this whole notion, although the book's been around for 10 years, is to take little bets. So do little things to get fit, you know, and allow yourself to fail or be imperfect and get the feedback to find out what works and what doesn't work. So,
1: What book are you talking about, Janet?
0: There's a a book on my shelf called Little Bets.
1: Little Bets. Okay, good. Little
0: Bets. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree. You know, I'll tell you a story from my background. When, when I was an entrepreneur back in my home country, I, I'm from Brazil, for those who don't know, I really wanted to participate in this program from the United Nations called Emprotec. It's very popular in South America and I think in India as well. Anyhow, they wouldn't have me because I was too young and I hadn't failed enough. <laughs> so I, I said, look, I, I dropped out of uni twice. So I had really dropped out of uni twice and I promised to fail this program. If you if you have me, I know there was a project that you had to do and the project was ranked and I wanted my project to fail And they got me in. And I was the youngest by two decades. Like I was in my early 20s. Everybody else was in their 40s. And I loved it. But the freedom that it gave me to just sit there and listen and learn and know that I was there to fail, that I would do something really absolutely outrageous as my project because I could, because that was part of the, the reason that I was there. I was there. With that allowance to fail, I loved it, you know, and and I think it's such a great thing to just put yourself in a situation where make make a pact with yourself that you will fail this one time, that it's okay and it's part of the experience and it's actually the reason why you're doing it,
0: and see how it makes you feel. I loved it personally. <laughs> it it feels awful. Most people feel I. I share a story on my coach program of how I invested my last five thousand dollars to fly in and deliver a program that was probably the biggest failure of my my, my startup imagination. Uh-huh. Is that until you have that really visceral? Yeah, it, you know, it, failure it feels horrible. Yes, in uh, real life it does. When you're
1: doing it as part of a professional development program, it doesn't, doesn't feel awful. <laughs>
0: but in real life
1: it does, yes.
0: So what you've said is right, is you reframe failure as an opportunity for learning, which is what the agile movement has done, or you normalise it. You make it okay and you remove the negative consequences and you bring in positive rewards or positive consequences Mm. Uh, and then the other thing is to just notice from another from a coaching client today I could say oh you've become an ace disruptor and he said oh what does that mean I said well you you're hearing your internal dialogue and when it's telling you you haven't done it good enough you're actually interrupting it and you're Mm. arguing with it and you're stopping it from controlling you. So therefore you can be free of that relentless self-criticism, that mm. relentless self-depreciation, you know, I didn't do it well enough or no one listens to me or, you know, like you can silence those, the the less useful or resourceful self-talk, the self-blame. It's yeah. usually you beat yourself up more than anyone else beats you up when you fail because you have such high many of us do have such high expectations mm-hmm. of ourselves and what he shared with me is well I'm just going to be myself without expectations and if I don't have those then I won't be disappointed it's mm-hmm. really easy I'm just a normal person so there's lots of ways to to deal with it
1: yes we we're there's a a, a sentence now a quote that i'm trying to think about i I won't remember the exact wording but it's basically you know we're living in this amazing world of high tech with brains that are designed for the cave right (laughs) and i think that that acknowledgement of the discrepancy between how we are wired internally and what Mm -hmm. makes us stick. And what makes us anxious and nervous and stressed and fearful are not designed to interact with the things that we're interacting with now. They're designed to interact with cyber tooth tigers and things that were about to kill us. So we're yep. not overreacting all the time. And you're right. It's visceral. You feel it in your bones. You you feel your skin and, you know, the hairs on your arms. Prickling, when you find yourself in, in a stressful... I worked with a client recently. It was a one-on-one consultation. She booked on my, my website to to prep her for an interview. And she wrote to me later to say, I was so prepped and, and I was feeling fine. I, you know, I was managing my breathing. We did all the things, but her hands were sweaty and she couldn't stop. <laughs> she couldn't stop, you know. her. It, it's how we
0: react, right? It's death sometimes beyond our control. It's amazing. Well, yes, there's a yes and. Most of my clients, again, going back to 101 Basics, to Stephen Covey, it's to acknowledge that you're being reactive and to actually intentionally create the space between stimulus and response Mm -hmm. through breathing to get grounded, Mm -hmm. to be mindful and to be conscious to start to introduce options and choices mm-hmm. to actually respond instead of react. And I would say 90% of my coaching clients, that's the core principle that we're working with. And, to you know, we're being reactive, as you said, because we're wired, you know, to, for survival yeah. and we're living in a totally uncontrollable world. So therefore, mm-hmm. it's more important than ever To be grounded, to be mindful, to be conscious, breathing, yoga, meditation, running, walking, time out, lunch breaks—you know, back to basics, family time, sensible meals—you know, these are. It's just like being being the cause of what you want to have, rather than being at the effect of everything that's impacting you
1: it's much more holistic than we have given credit for especially you know people my age who were brought up in the 80s and 90s and early noughties when it was all about the hustle culture and all about how long you could you know work and the many hours you could put into a project I I don't think we can go back to that anymore
0: no it's going to be different But here's the thing is that you can choose and be intentional about what you want to have, Mm -hmm. you know, in this new world that that is emerging now, which is the new acronym is BRITTLE, (laughs) AMBIGUOUS, no, uh, what's the word? Barney? oh, I can't remember now. BRITTLE, AMBIGUOUS, COMPLEX, and IRRATIONAL. (laughs) (laughs) I saw
1: that the other day. I still prefer VUCA. yeah yeah
0: i'm not a big barney fan (laughs) (laughs) but here's the thing you know quality connections self-care empathy compassion courage and being willing to leave your comfort zone and develop some grit and go out there and learn new ways of being thinking and acting differently to deliver the kind of results you want to have you know in in an uncertain and unstable world yes all right my friend thank you so much
1: for yet again a great conversation I love talking to you you explain things so well and I can't wait to have you again maybe next year
0: for another chat great thank you for having me
1: Okay, so here are my reflections from this lovely chat with my friend Janet. She is the epitome of lifelong learning, isn't she? I mean, the way that she quickly pivoted at the beginning of the pandemic, I also had to do it, but I'm always in awe of how people have done it and Many of us self-employed, small firms, small consultants really struggled to find new clients and retain old ones. And, and she did well. She's been very busy. In our careers with discomfort, resilience is the ability to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And this is the biggest takeaway, I think, for me as a coach in helping my clients build that discomfort, resiliency. It's an added Layer to resiliency isn't it and this ability to being comfortable with the discomfort of not only the job search but of course the pandemic and all the changes the subsequent changes in the workplace that we're seeing right now and it's important to have Janet's lifelong learning attitude as well because things will keep on changing and we need to be very adaptive creative flexible, as she said, and also more disciplined because we are more self-reliant now and working remotely, leading remotely. So all of that is new to a lot of people. So I wanted to reflect on this at this tail end of this episode. I mentioned during this conversation with Janet, my new service called Find My Talent. And like all my service, the name says it all. It's about you finding your talents with this amazing report that spits out of the system once you spend 20 minutes answering some very good questions about yourself. I'm doing the soft launch at this moment. I'm not doing a lot of promotion because I want to sort of test it out and see how people that are doing it first enjoy it and how I can best serve you with this new assessment tool. I've done about over a 100, 170, close to 200 now assessments and I am really enjoying the comments and the feedback that I am receiving and I would love for you to learn more. Go to my website, there's a link to this on the episode show notes and find out more about how you too can find your talents and utilize them to write your resumes, write your cover letters, talk about yourself. It's such a great report, so well designed for professionals like you who are ambitious for their careers and want to have the right narrative, the right information to talk about themselves for those important conversations that we usually have doing job search. So find the link in the show notes, go check it out. I am loving it and I hope that you love it too. Bye for now and I will see you at the next episode. Bye.